homesteads and homeschools as part of the Liberty Hippie Podcast Network. If you like what we do, be sure to check out This Week in Liberpods, Peace Freaks, Cannabis Heals Me, and Free Markets Green Earth. We're living proof that libertarian doesn't mean washed up Republican. What up? Welcome to Homesteads and Homeschools. I'm your host, the Liberty Hippie, here with you for another week. This is the 95th episode, which means you can find today's show notes at homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash 095. And so what do I have queued up for you lot today? I have a, a fantastic little episode talking about some different kinds of livestock. Yes, I said livestock. Because? Because I can. That's why. So yeah, we're talking about mini livestock today. Uh, different different types out there, different varieties. I've been seeing them a lot, hearing people talk about them. I've not got any myself, but uh, they're out there, and and I was curious. And um, if if you're someone on a smaller lot um, and you want to get uh, get some some animals uh, for meat, for milk, for whatever, these these guys might be up your alley. So check it out. Give it a listen. And uh, let's go. Let's go plant those seeds of liberty with my guest, Mr. Brian. I love the sky and the trees. I'm a teeny tiny little ant. Checking out this and that. So my my guest today is uh, is Brian. Brian knows a few things about small animals, um, probably more than a few things. And we're gonna get into that, and uh, I don't know, see what see what he's got going on where he is. So Brian, thank you for uh, coming on and, and giving us your time. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I love I love talking, especially about stuff I actually know anything about. So <laughs> yeah, I, I know it's uh, I talk about lots of things, but when I actually know what I'm talking about, it's like that's so much better. But. So you, well, I don't know, you, you're on a little little farm, big farm now, some sort of farm. Um, were you always kind of in that lifestyle or was it something you kind of came into as an adult or how did that go for you? Uh, I think it started in foster care. I was in foster care for uh, a touch as a kid and uh, I got stuck on a farm and it's just really cathartic in the morning to be able to get up and, you know, feed animals yeah. and see see other animals enjoying life without having to go to school or pay taxes yeah yeah it's uh it is when you when you can find the time to get out there and do it and that's that's the problem like i run into now is trying to find the time to actually get out there and get some of those things done and not not have it turn into a a stressful event of i have to get this done and and freaking out because i don't have time i don't know so you you did that um was it something that like stuck with you or was it just kind of this idea in the back of your head that you wanted to to get into it it, it stuck with me a little bit i mean as an adult i started looking at it from a standpoint of i don't like the food coming from the grocery stores um you know i've seen a few of the documentaries whether they're skewed or not it's you know Mm -hmm. animals should be treated humanely especially at death so if i can provide a better life for them i figured why not you know it 
Yeah. And, and then when I started working as a chef, you know, seeing the difference in, in beef and how it was treated from, you know, our lowest provider versus, you know, me getting high end Kobe in at work, mm-hmm. you know, you can really tell a difference. So I started working at that myself and I, you can definitely tell a difference. Yeah. It, it, I think, I think you can. Um, personally, I think you can, uh, I think some people might, might tell you otherwise, but you know, even like you said with the, the documentaries, like even if they are skewed, there's, there's some truth to it. You know, there is, there's some truth in there. And you just think about, you know, the chickens getting put on a truck and like driven all over the place just to get butchered. Um, yeah. I mean, that alone in itself is, is stressful. And, and what does that do for the meat? Um, you know, I, I think, uh, the more you stress an animal out, the tougher the meat is and, and you can keep it all kind of in house. It makes it a little bit better. Um, ah, so you, uh, you're, I know you, we were talking earlier, um, you're kind of on a farm now. Yeah. About 20 acres. Okay. And what do you guys, how did, did, so how did that come in? Where did you guys pick that up or how'd you, you get there? Oh, like I said, we kind of lucked out. It was her father's original farm. They moved to, her father moved the family out to, uh, their grandparents when their grandparents passed and they got there. I think it's like 50 something acres. And this ha- house kind of sat just abandoned for a few years and we mm-hmm. were paying rent. And I'm like, why pay rent when I can put that money into fixing up a house? And, yeah, you know, it's living in the middle of a town, even in a small town like Finley, Ohio, where we were at. I mean, there was every night, you know, people breaking into houses or just general, for lack of a better term, dumbassery going on in the streets and. So how long have you guys been uh, been where you are? Oh, I'd say going on five years now. Okay, good deal. How how much uh, how much work have you had to put into kind of getting things back up to to snuff there? Not as much as I want to, honestly. <laughs> it's it's been a process where we kind of sit down and we say, okay, these are our little projects, and then this is our big spring project. This is our big summer project. This is our big fall project. Yeah. Uh, there's always something on a farm, but I, I mean, it's definitely come a long way from just overgrown wild bamboo to fenced in pasture field and, you know, changing the inlay of the barn Mm -hmm. to make it so we have a birthing room like we're doing now. So we don't have to worry about animals popping out in the middle of the winter in the pasture field. Yep. I, 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 what's where we're at now trying to figure out how to do that. So we don't have little goats dropping out in the middle of the, the field. Winter's a little different down here in Georgia for your, than you, but. I was going to say, ours like to wait until there's, you know, six inches of snow and it's negative five. So. Yeah. No, no, we don't, we don't get that. But, um, so you, I am, how did you get it to go from like wild bamboo back to pasture? Um, is that just kind of mow it, plow it? plant it or is there a, a process or how does how does that work uh it was really just we got it fenced in and we started with uh one of one of our neighbors was getting rid of goats and sheep and they're like hey do you guys want these and uh they were moving and didn't want to deal with them anymore so we took them and they're not kidding when they say goats will eat just about everything in the tin can like mm-hmm. What they didn't eat, the goats would knock over, or the sheep would knock over. Sorry, because they're uh, they're a bit more clumsy than the goats. Yeah, yeah, that, that is a 
a true statement. Goats will eat just about anything. I was I was out trying to put together a, a little structure in the uh, the goat pasture, and I had a, a box of screws, and uh, they got in there and started like chewing on the screws. Um, and a Oh, yeah. Pull it out of their mouth. I'm like, <laughs> it's not edible. And if you eat this, you will die. So please don't do that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild what they, they do. Um, so you just let them kind of knock it all down and, and eat it. Yeah. And I, I kind of, the little research I did on goats, you know, they can eat pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. There's a few plants, uh, trees, if they get into, will make them sick and or kill them. So I kind of just watched and the stuff they didn't touch, I pulled out myself. Um, just this past summer, uh, me and her, me and the wife's father uh, went in and put uh, winter rye in the field to see if it would grow. So far, it has not. It has in the pasture field, but I'm just kind of adding stuff as I see. Um, I'm moving out. I started with about an acre fenced in. I think I'm at four and a half, five acres now. Okay. So I'm, I would love to have all 20 acres fenced in, but I don't think the wife would be happy with that. So it gets, it gets expensive. That's like, you know, it really does. You, you don't, you don't realize it. I think until you actually like start putting it in, um, you know, it's time consuming, but it's not too bad. But like all those posts, all that fence, it just, it starts to add up. Um, cause I think we're kind of in the same boat where, you know, we've got a couple, a couple of pastures and we'd like to put more in. But man, financially, it's it's kind of I don't know how do you how do you pull it off sometimes. But um, so when you when you planted the the winter rye there, did you guys kind of plow it in, or do you just sprinkle it on top, or do you? I'm curious how much like working the pasture you you've done, or you. I know too, so we have a seed spike. Uh, just there's a few documentaries on it. I had watched uh, the research I had done. Uh, I get successful farmer. It's a little magazine, and they had. Uh, an article in there about it and you know you don't get as much uh yield mm-hmm. but you get a better pasture field i mean it's more natural it's what i shoot for you know there's something always blooming or always going to seed in my field and i i i don't have to worm but maybe once or once or twice a year and that's generally when i get new animals just to make sure everyone's okay yeah. Uh, I've been cutting down on feed costs because of it. And I really think that's, uh, that's one of the side effects of it is because I'm letting them eat more naturally how they would have. Yeah. Yeah. Gonna have to, we keep trying to figure out our pasture. Um, cause it's, it's grass. It's not bad, but, um, I know, I know nothing about my types of grass and what it is. Yeah. I just know <laughs> it's green. It grows. There's a lot of it and uh, the animals will eat it. So, but it is, it's crazy. You put the goats in with like in a, in a woods cause we have woods in part of the pasture and just they're, oh, yeah. they're starting to, there's that graze line, like four feet above the ground where everything underneath it is just gone. Strip there. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's wild. Um, so we'll, it's kind of neat to look at. It's one of those things where it's totally not natural. Um, it is, it is kind of pretty. So what, uh, what do you have in your pastures? What kind of animals do you have? Uh, currently, we have Nigeria, or we'll start animal to animal. I have uh, baby doll sheep and Texas doll Corsican sheep, which aren't miniatures. They're uh, they're uh, a hair sheep, which means I don't have to shear them every year. Um, Was I that sell the males of those to hunters? 
because they have the huge racks. I mean, it grows curled kind of like when you think of you a wild bighorn sheep, mm-hmm. they almost look like that. Um, they make really nice pelts and it's, it's a nice way to offset the cost of the fence because, yeah. you know, depending on the horns and who I talk to and whether or not, you know, they have to drive pretty far. Cause I try to make deals, you know, uh, they, you know, I can make a couple hundred bucks off an animal after all of my costs for feeding it for a year plus. Wow. It's impressive. That's so it's, it's just the, the horns, huh? It well, fetches. Yeah, I mean they're a, a solid animal. They have a really nice mane. Uh, you can get some good meat off of them, and it, it's a nice hunt for the people that do like to hunt. I also sell them to people who want their own to start raising because you can mix those in with air sheep, who tend to be a little bit sweeter meat. Okay. And you don't have to shave as often. Do you have to? You have to shave hair sheep? No. Uh, they, they naturally shed. It's a really ugly process, honestly. <laughs> it's kind of bald patches here and there in the summer, but yeah. When we we before we got goats, um, it was kind of a toss up if we wanted to do sheep or goats. I wanted to do sheep, but um, we ended up with goats. But that was one of the things was looking at the hair sheep because you know you don't have to shave them. Like you're not not going to get a whole lot of money for for wool um, at this point anyway. And so I, I don't know. They, they're, and it's weird because it, all your life, all my life, I grew up thinking like woolly sheep, you know. And then there's these yeah. hair sheep um, that you don't don't have to do that with. And I don't know. How did you? Why did you like get into the the baby doll sheep? How did that come? Those were actually given to me by the same people that had the goats. They were getting out of them. Uh, the male was neutered, so you couldn't really sell them. He wasn't. Mm-hmm. You, you can eat a baby doll sheep. Uh, you're not going to get a lot off of it. It's, it's, they're more pasture pets. They look pretty, they're adorable. Uh, and then the female is pigeon toed on her back legs. So I've never bred her because I'm worried it would get stuck. So they just kind of stick around. They're adorable. They complain (laughs) all day until they get their hay and then follow us along the fence. But yeah, do, do, um, how big are they? How much do they weigh? Do you know? Uh, they're both fat. I would probably say they should be around 60 pounds or probably closer to 80 right okay. now. All right. So I got uh, mid, mid to plus size dog there. Okay. Yeah. So do, do when people, what do people typically use them for just as like pasture pets or do, do people eat them and milk them or what? Yeah. They're way, uh, you can't milk that. Well, you can milk them. I wouldn't recommend it. It <laughs> seems like it would be a, uh, a tedious process. They've got short legs. They're low on the ground. Um, yeah. I don't think you would get a lot of milk off of them. I've never done it, but that would just be my experience from the actual build of the animal. Uh, yeah, they're, they're really just kind of, they look pretty. They're adorable. They've got these big stout faces as opposed to their tiny little mm. legs. And All right. You can shave them and get, I've seen brown and tan and it's a nice color wool. If you're cleaning it yourself and carting it yourself, I mean, you could probably make good money off socks or scarves or whatever, but what about, um, so you got many, many sheep. Do you have many goats? Yes. I have uh Nigerian dwarfs and uh pygmies. Uh, I've got a min, a mini fainter. That's my newest addition. She's, uh, She's like a silver, silver blue, and she's funniest goat in the world. Hates being 
touched at all. But if the minute you walk away, she starts screaming for you. She's like a cat. She wants attention. Yeah. Yeah. But on her schedule. Interesting. <laughs> so uh, what, I guess what's the difference between a pygmy and a, like a Nigerian dwarf? Like what is pygmy just a different size? Is it actual specific breed? Yeah. Uh, pygmies are their own breed as opposed to Nigerian dwarfs. Nigerian dwarfs are a milk breed. They, uh, they make a real sweet milk. It's really nice, whereas pygmies are more of a pet animal. Okay. Are they smaller than the, the dwarf goats, the Nigerian dwarf? Uh, my Nigerians are bigger, Okay, but I, 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 those aren't papered, so they're not really uh, yeah. to standard as some people go by. I don't. I have papered animals. I don't really follow the ADGA or anything like that. You know, I prefer health over specific looks on animals. Yeah, so. for sure. I, I hear that. Uh, I had some of them butchered before because it's, I'm a sucker and name them. So it's hard for me to butcher the goats. Uh, it's, it's really nice meat. It's better than any goat meat you get from a store generally. Only because I feel like a lot of them are raised the same way as cows and chickens where they're packed into to feedlots and yeah, it's just not a good meat. I think we're, so we are, our, our goats, we have, we started with like three, uh, meat goats uh brush goats i don't know what you want to call them um and then we got some some dairy goats uh and uh the plan is to you know maybe keep a couple does and then maybe butcher uh the males but i'm not sure we're actually going to be able to do that uh yeah i always said i was going to and then they do something stupid and you fall in love with in love with them and yeah yeah and it, uh, i don't know i I don't have a problem. Like, I mean, we do chickens and I used to do rabbits and it was never fun. It was never something you like looked forward to. Um, but it just seemed like it was just part of the, the routine. This is like the process this is the end goal. This is why they're here. But with like the bigger animals, I feel like because they're, they're around for longer and maybe there's, yeah. there's less of them that you actually get to know them a little bit. And it's like, oh man, <laughs> ah, sorry guy, but uh, time to go. Um, it's difficult. Yeah, and I've had family members who farmed and, you know, they would never step foot in a pasture field unless, you know, there was someone with difficulty birthing or to pull an animal out. So they never even got one-on-one time with some of their animals. And, they, you know, it's way easier for them. But me, hands-on every day, you know, 20 or 20 or less animals, you know, you get to know each one. They have a personality. So it is harder. Uh, that's why I, I have sent them off in the past. I don't think anyone truly enjoys butchering, no. but it is part of life. It's uh, yeah, it's natural. Yeah, it is, and it's it's part of what you know. If you want want to get that meat on your plate, part of what has to happen. Um, but so you uh, you got the mini mini sheep, mini goats. Um, what else? What else you got over there? Uh, I've currently got a mini zebu uh, cow. And, uh, as of two days ago, I, I've finally, after having her for almost a year, figured out her heat schedule. So I'm hoping in the spring to breed her. Okay. Oh, which, um, are they, what are the zebus? Are they the ones with the big, like hangy necks and like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now I thought, like, I, I thought I was under the impression that many, like many animals, there wasn't a whole lot of breeds of, of like many varieties. Um, is am I right in that, or is is it kind of you can 
if you look hard enough, you can find a mini in, in any breed, any any variety or what? I'm seeing more and more. Uh, I think as people are moving out of cities and wanting to do it with their own hands uh, and, and the kind of the pet craze is going on is finally hitting farm animals. I mean, it started with Labradoodles mm-hmm. and now you've got all these little, you know, people, everyone wants a Highlander cow because they're fuzzy and then they got, so I'm seeing mini jerseys. Um, I I've seen, I don't know if it's a registered breed yet. I've seen miniature Holsteins. Uh, the Zebu are naturally on the smaller side. Now okay. they have a mini version of that too. So I think it's one of those things as people, as the demand calls for it, we're seeing more and more people working the smaller breeds. Cause it used to be, if you had a small cow, that was a problem. Right. Now everyone wants that cow. So are, is it just like, do you know, is it just like a selective breeding down? You know, you take your, your small animals and you work with that or is, are they introducing some other, you know, uh, pre-existing small variety um, into the bigger, bigger animals. Do you, do you have any idea? I think it's a little bit of both from what I'm seeing. Uh, it, from what I'm reading, it's, you know, you take your smallest bull and breed them to your biggest female. It makes an easier birth right. naturally in mammals. Um, you end up with a smaller animal and just so on and so forth. You keep working at that. Um, I do think like I had the option there are several artificial insemination uh, companies, and that's one of the questions they ask for is, do you want a smaller animal? And so they, they offer their smaller bulls. Interesting. That's crazy. That, that, is that You think about that like 50 years ago, right? Smaller animals you would think would be like a, a deterrent. You know, there's less less of an animal there if I'm going to s- spend the time doing it. You know? Oh, yeah. The run of the litter was the last one to go even 20 years ago, and now... But as people move out and they can only get an acre of land, you know, you, you can't support an animal on that. Healthily. Right. So. Yeah, it makes, it makes sense. Um, it, it makes sense. Do you know, are they more prone to um, like health problems and stuff? Cause usually, you know, like your, your smaller animals tend to be weaker and, and not as I don't know, vibrant as, as your other ones. Um, I haven't noticed it. They, they're not less healthy but i have noticed with the smaller animals when something goes wrong they go down quick okay so it's not a a matter of them being healthy but when they do get sick it goes quicker at least in my opinion over the years of what i've done yeah yeah no i'm just uh curious there that's the worst part like i I hate worming our goats and stuff because we don't not really on a schedule um i know some people just like blanket worm everything but uh down here it's that's what people have done for so long and there are so many like ivermectin is like virtually useless and all your other stuff and it's you know the worms aren't aren't that um they get bad so yeah and i i've tried to do the different things uh i'm i'm actually pagan and i have pagan family members and so the the natural uh processes Mm-hmm. A lot of them get pushed on me. Some of them I found have worked. Uh, people swear by pumpkin every year. Yeah. And like I said, I only, I don't worm often. And when I do, I try to find other things because the parasite load is getting really bad in some places. Yeah. And like you said, that ivermectin's useless. The 
they've adjusted to it. It doesn't affect them. Yep. I, yeah. We just actually threw a couple of pumpkins in there. Have you found that it, that it works? The, the pumpkin and, and other sort of the natural, some of the natural remedy type things? I, I mean, when I do butcher, especially with my birds, I don't see a lot of parasites. Now, it could just be I lucked out and my 20 acres has very little parasites on it. Mm-hmm. But from my personal experience, it it does. Okay. It's interesting. We'll have to try to get some more of that. We can't, I can't grow pumpkins down here, unfortunately. All those, those winter squash don't, uh, they're hard to do, man. Summer just beats crap out of them. Yeah. What else do you, do you have any other, uh, like natural remedies that you, that are out there that you're aware of? Uh, licorice. I've always been told is one really? that works really well. Even in humans, it's, it helps stomachs and, and really any stomach issue. If I want to share that with my my animals, yeah. the uh, the flavor is a deterrent for most humans and uh, some animals. My uh, my sheep won't touch it. I have plants out there. Yeah, I I've got wild oh, birds. They won't touch. Missing it. out, man. Oh, all right. So you and you got uh, I know you got your mini pigs too. Um, you, you mentioned that you were gonna I don't know trying to get rid of them, looking to get rid of them. Is that what you were saying? Or yeah, with everything going on is considered a miniature pig. Right, so we're still talking uh, like a big animal. I mean, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I have American Guinea hogs and a, a couple of Julians. Uh, they're considered the micro breeds. My American Guinea hog mixes are under 125 pounds and that's after they ate. So, you know, it's a nice roaster pig. It's not something you're going to have to have a, a four wheeler and a 50 gallon drum to, to clean. Okay. And, and that's what I was going to ask. So uh, you, I mean, there's no other reason to raise a pig other than, than meat. Um, so that's what they're, they're there for. Yeah. Uh, I've a little byproduct of them is people have, I haven't done it yet is you can pen them in and, uh, leave them there for about six months, spring, summer, fall, and they will root up anything in the area, kill the, kill the ground or uh, not the ground, the grass. And, uh, poop there and then you move it and next spring that's a real nice area to garden and you know it's already been tilled yeah that's what we've we've heard and we've kind of batted that idea around where you know, our soil is like concrete down here in some places and wondering how how pigs would do on that if they could tear it up a little bit to the point where we could amend it a little little easier than anything else but uh, the western end of our property backs up to a creek mm-hmm. And you, you, we get about eight to 12 inches down of really nice soil. And then it's clay. It's, you're not getting a shovel into it. It's game over. Yep. They have, they have no problem working that though. They have to try that. I don't know. All right. And, uh, when you butcher like a smaller animal like that, right? These, these mini animals, what's the, the meat to bone ratio? Like, um, is it the same as you would find in a, in a normal sized animal is that, cause I just, I feel like they still have to have that bone structure to stand up and survive. Yeah. I mean, you get a good amount of meat. Yeah. It's not, you're not getting commercial breed, you know, unless you have a really spectacular specimen. Uh, but it's, I, I feel like we're so conditioned to, to expect, hundreds and hundreds of pounds because that's what we've been breeding for. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. But if, if I butcher two pigs, I'm set for the winter. Honestly, it's, you know, they, they take longer. They do fatten up. 
you know, in six months, you could have a Holstein steer at, a, you know, eight, 800 to 1,000 pounds, whereas your Jersey steer is only going to be four or 500 pounds. But you wait a year and a half, and that Jersey steer is going to be roughly the same size, and you're going to get a better quality meat. So it's really depending on if you can justify the costs, if you can offset them, you're going to get a better quality meat. You're going to get less of it. But that's okay because I've found when I did butcher Holsteins when I had them, I was losing meat because I couldn't eat it at the time. It would get frostbitten and it would go to the dogs or whatever. You know, it was never really lost, but I don't like butchering something and not eating it myself. I feel like it's a waste. No, I, I hear you there. Um, we, uh, as I say, we, we pretty much eat everything. And even when we're, we're butchering the chickens and stuff, um, all that leftover gets put in a big, big crock pot that uh, gets cooked down for the dogs. It's a cro- crock pot of death. And it's pretty, pretty gross at times, but um, <laughs> the dogs love it and it, it helps supplement some of that, uh, that feed. So um, any, uh, I don't know, any, any suggestions for, for people that are, thinking about i don't know giving giving mini animals a try um so i feel like you probably how much space do you need if you just want like a i don't know a small handful of of uh goats right some nigerian dwarf goats or something how how much space do they really need if you have a big backyard and a cul-de-sac you know as long as it's not sprayed with chemicals you can have a goat or two you know obviously the more space you have the less damage they're going to do because, you know, if they're penned up, they do, I mean, they're energetic animals. They, they want to move around. They want to play, you know, they love to chew on stuff. I, I had an old wooden fence on part of my barn and, you know, they chew on that just for the roughage, I think. Uh, so yeah, uh, if you have an acre, you can really, you can do the, the smaller goats, you know, you, you don't want to do just one goat. They're, they're definitely a pack animal, but two or three, you know, a weather, a couple or a couple weathers and a female easily on an acre. That's yeah. All right. Very cool. Yeah. We, my goats, um, I just, I don't even know. We have, we had a, a, an electric poultry net up and one of them like chewed through the electrified poultry net. Like they just don't, they're just, I don't even know, man. <laughs> they, they eat anything and everything. They chew on everything and anything. And it's just insane. All right, man. And it's I I fully recommend the metal fencing. Uh, they I, I've had some problems with it, but it's the the one thing that consistently has kept them in the woven so, wire. Yeah. How um how is it with their their heads getting stuck in the wire? I know our goats. Uh, you know we have regular size goats, and so sometimes they'll shove their heads through um to get the grass on the other side. And then when they try to pull it back through their horns, get caught and they can get stuck. Now our, our dairy goats, we, you know, um, just them when they were younger. So they don't have the, the horns, but, um, I wonder with the, with the smaller animals, is their head small enough that they can kind of get in and out? They still get stuck on the, the lower tiers of the fence or. Some of them do. It all depends. Honestly, I've got a few where the horns kind of swoop straight back across the head. So it's not a problem with them. They figured out because the fencing I bought has long rec- rectangular holes that they can turn their head sideways and get it in and out. Some of the dumber <laughs> ones still haven't figured that out. Yeah, it, it, that's, uh... that's an issue. So it's, I try to trim a solid 12 inches away 
Uh, the goats have done that for me already, but in a few places I've had to pull out plants or whatever. A few, uh, we have mulberry trees everywhere here. So it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's almost a nuisance where we have to pull them. Yeah, man. So that, that kind of dissuades that, but it's not too bad. It really isn't. They, uh, Every once in a while, I'll get home late at night, and I'll hear screaming from one side of the pasture field, and they're just stuck. Yep. But other than that, it, especially if you don't have horns, if they've been disrupted, there's no problem. They can turn their head sideways eventually and figure it out. That's what we've found um, so far. But then at the same time, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what we've done. Um, and we may may do that in the future with the, the new goats that we have, have to think about it because we have a couple Pyrenees out there with them. So it's the predator thing is not really an issue, but uh, no, we, uh, we've got a rescue Pyrenees and we've had a, a coyote issue once and she almost ripped the fence and the posts out of the ground yeah. running through it. Uh, since then, I mean, we hear them, but they don't come nearby. She's, uh, she's, and we got her for free. But she, they're definitely worth their weight in gold. They really are, as long as they're, and you don't even really have to train most of them. They're, it's so naturally ingrained in them to just herd. Yeah, there's, um, it's pretty impressive what they, what they can do for sure. Well, all right, man. I don't want to keep you too long. Um, any, any thing we didn't get to? Any, any thoughts you want to share that we didn't, didn't get to? I know they're not technically mini animals, but I highly recommend alpacas. They are. They have been one of the few things that I absolutely love. They're just, they're ugly, adorable, especially as babies. It's just all legs and guys. But what do you use them for? They, I, uh, I shave them. I send the wool out. There's a couple of different companies. There's actually one pretty close to me here in Ohio. They uh, clean it and cart it and uh, send it back spun for me. Uh, it, it, it sells well because it's basically waterproof done right uh it makes really really nice socks so we donate them every once in a while uh the uh when we have our county fair we try to uh get out there and donate some of them to the ffa auctions and stuff like that that's very cool very cool do they do they work like llamas in the sense that um you know like llamas that can be used as a as a guardian animal or alpacas can they do the same thing are they too small I wouldn't want to go up against a coyote if I was an alpaca. They really don't have that many defenses. Right. Um, I don't have to worry too much. You know, there's a there's a few predators around here, but they're really nice in the sense that they're the, the most quiet, the cleanest animal, and one of the most friendly. I have one that walks up to the fence and she has to every morning get her ear scratched and behind her head before anything else can happen. So it's, they're a little more expensive up front, right. but I've found that they're just, honestly, if you want something to look out into the pasture field and enjoy, that's, that's the I go with now. All right, man. Well, um, I don't know any, any, uh, any place we can go to find you online or anything like that. Anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, shameless plug. I'm actually wearing the hat now. I don't know if you can see it. Uh, I have, uh, Bent Horn Farms. Uh, it's our Facebook page. Um, I will try to send you a link to it afterwards just so you can. I have, I'll see find it. I'll find it. Put that in the, the show notes. Um, can you get like your, uh, wool on there? Yeah, pack of wool. Uh, I didn't do any this year. 
unfortunately, every single one of my alpacas decided that the uh, the briar patch was where they were going <laughs> to sleep at. So it kind of got wasted this year. I'm definitely I'm planning on it next year along like my fainer. She's a silky. I'm going to see if I can't get that shaved and spun. Very cool. I, I appreciate your time. And I appreciate you you coming on. Yeah. No. Thank you. I love. I love talking. So <laughs> I'll I'll put that uh, link to your your farm there in the the show notes. Is there any place else? Just on Facebook? Uh, no, that's it right now. I'm working on a, a, a web page, but so far Facebook's been good to me. So. <laughs> right I appreciate you. Okay. Yep, you too. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I enjoyed it. Hopefully, Brian enjoyed that as well. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm not really that interested in mini animals at this point. I have enough going on that I don't really want to diversify any more. Have enough and uh, as good enough. But if you are looking to to get into something that um, might fit your homestead. Mini animals are, are definitely something there, and I encourage you guys to go go check that out. Go go check it out, especially if uh, if you're on a smaller lot, more of a suburban lot or something. This might be just just what you needed. Might skip through some of the uh, the ordinances, some of the zoning. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Anyway, go check it out. And while you're at it, go check out Brian's farm on on the Facebook. There, I'll put those links in the show notes that you can find again at homesteadsandhomeschools.com/slash zero nine five. Go leave a review on iTunes. Tell me what you had for breakfast. Was it oatmeal? Was it cereal? Do you fast? Uh, what do you do? What do you do? Let me know. And of course, uh, homesteadsandhomeschools.com/slash Amazon. Click through the little fancy link there and uh, buy your your garbage, and I'll get a small kickback from that. And you know, why not? Why not? If you are so inclined, you can go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Liberty Hippie and help me out there. Uh, whatever, whatever you see fit. I guess that's, that's really all for today. Hope you guys are enjoying fall, winter, and uh, gearing up for Thanksgiving. I know I have some, some birds that need butchering, so that's what I will be doing. Hope you guys enjoy it. I won't be enjoying the butchering, but I will be enjoying the, the meat to come. Alright guys, get out there, sow those seeds of liberty. We can all reap cheese of freedom together.